dense, Scott. Barely a week ago, I heard you rail for two hours about independence. And? Mr. Hardwick, how many times have I heard you speak of freedom at my father's table? Half the men in this church, including you, Father, and you, Reverend, are as ardent patriots as I. Will you now, when you are needed most, stop at only words? Is that the sort of men you are? that you act upon the beliefs of which you have so strongly spoken and in which you so strongly believe. All right, Patriots, we are here for another episode of the Patriot Voice of Michigan. I'm here with a couple of special guests. Uh, Dave Ajma is out this week from back surgery. Hope he's recouping well. He did mention that last night. So just prayers for him as he recuperates. Our guests are Maya Han and Sandy Benton. We are here talking about the corruption in the GOP uh, executive committee, wherever the noise is, um, trying to get a good idea on how we can better hopefully fix the problem and just getting new people in to help grow the party. And we really need true patriots to step up and, and go at it. So without further ado, Maya Han. Hi, thank you. Hello, everyone. Yeah, um... I guess I just I'm happy to be here and to actually have some open dialogue about what we're seeing in the background. A lot of people maybe don't realize it's happening. You know, I've been a Republican for many years and I never really was into politics, right? I was just one of those voters that, you know, voted party ticket. And it was only until I started establishing relationships with some lawmakers because I had some real concerns um, at that time a few years ago prior to COVID. Uh, my concerns were about medical freedom and about the injustices that we're seeing with vaccine injury and uh, concerns about mandates um, even before COVID and everybody's kind of concerned about that. But I started establishing relationships with lawmakers and learning more about the system and found out something about being a precinct delegate, which of course I've never heard of. I probably, most of your listeners haven't heard of either. And I thought maybe that was something that could allow me to get more involved and to have a bigger voice or a seat at the table to be able to have more of these conversations and um, to share my story that my, I have three children and they are vaccine injured. Uh, my son regressed into autism and my daughter had tics and seizures and now suffers from an autoimmune disease called lupus, which um, could be attacking her kidneys and it makes her allergic to the sun, which, you know, it's, it's life-changing when something like that happens to you. You know, I was a pro-vaxxer, obviously. I vaccinated my children and, and really didn't expect to have the life that we live now and for my children to suffer like they do. So that story, you know, I thought, well, if only people could hear that story, if they, if they could only have, if I could only have a seat at the table, they could understand the concerns of just regular citizens like myself, that we just want to be able to be heard and to have some kind of 
gatekeepers that can protect us from big pharma and pharmaceuticals and the concerns with the CDC, all that stuff. So being a precinct delegate, I thought, wow, this is something maybe I can participate in and meet our lawmakers and have them think that my voice is more important because as a precinct delegate, I thought I have a little bit more power to decide if they're going to be elected or not. So that's how I started on this journey. And um, <laughs> needless to say, this, this journey has been not what I expected. Of course not. Never is. A, a big learning curve for sure. And I, I met Sandy, who's here um, with us today. I met her through this process. We, we both have been kind of on a, much of the same journey and passions and learning from her much about politics. And sadly, we've, we've both found ourselves in the position that we are today with the GOP, just feeling really deflated, uh, concerned, and not knowing where we should go from here. Thank you, Maya. Sandy Benton. Yes, um, thank you for having me as well. Um, I've been a precinct delegate for probably since 2016. And I know uh, Tom Hooker, who's a friend of Dave's, uh, was one of the first people to tell me a little bit about this. He told me about how precinct delegates were the ones who got the helmet laws changed uh, for the bikers. And he also said that when you become a precinct delegate, that the uh, lawmakers will tend to look at you as being more politically savvy. So I entered into politics for the first time, and it was like a deer in the headlights. Uh, and I hear that story over and over from every new precinct delegate, and we definitely need to work to fix that and educate. Uh, but it is unfortunate that we find ourselves in our, you know, middle ages here, and we've never heard about precinct delegates. And, and it is something that we've been talking about, is why does the GOP not advertise with all of their money at the state party, the, all the funding that they get? Why are they not putting uh, marketing materials out and trying to educate and get more seats filled. Right now in Michigan, uh, under, let's see, I think it's 70% of our seats are unfilled for precinct delegates. In Ottawa County, it's maybe under half percent, half of our seats are filled. So um, we, we need to get constitutional conservatives in there to start changing how the GOP operates. That would really be the goal. That's how we change things. But I know Maya's story is very compelling about her experience. Uh, in the last, in this current election cycle, with how she was treated uh, within our county. Yes, the county of Ottawa, <laughs> Ottawa, Michigan. Um, right. So I became a precinct delegate, and then I was uh, learned a little bit more. As a precinct delegate, nobody approached me in the GOP. Nobody welcomed me and said, hey, you know, welcome to the team. We're going to put you to work or we're going to, you know, get you part of this network. I was just silence, crickets, really. I, I'm like, okay, where do I go from here? Asking questions not from the leadership, actually, but asking from, you know, from friends such as Sandy Benton here that, that has been kind of guiding me along the way. But I had to really figure things out on my own and almost felt like, those in the, the establishment of the GOP didn't even, I, because I wasn't invited to be the precinct, their precinct delegate, because they didn't have an established relationship with me, I wasn't a chosen one, let's put it that way, 
Um, I, it was just, I felt like I was already not part of the family, so to speak. And so I kind of just latched on to the friends that I had and found out that there is a executive committee within the GOP. And those are, you know, so you have to be a, a precinct delegate and then you can become part of the executive committee. And they're the ones that kind of run the, the GOP in a county. Right? right. And you're voted into that position as an executive committee member if you're a non-elected official. And so we just happened to be lucky enough to be voted in. And that was thanks to uh, David Kroll, who was the past chair of the Ottawa County GOP, who uh, very sadly, the establishment decided that they no longer wanted him on the GOP. And he decided that, well, he needs to get some new people, some true patriots to try to get on the GOP to have a voice for the people outside the establishment. I think that was his goal. Yes, indeed. In fact, one of the reasons cited in a personal phone call that Dave had with um, another uh, close, I don't know, um, establishment type person on the GOP or part of the GOP uh, was all about uh, Dave uh, asking all precinct delegates to come and speak out against the UN refugee resettlement board of commissioners meeting. Um, That would have been... Uh, at least a year ago, year and a half. 2018, maybe. It was, a two, yeah, two years ago, maybe. And uh, the it was cited in the phone call that the powers that be, we don't quite know who they are, but the powers that be uh, did not like how Dave handled that in inviting all precinct delegates in Ottawa County to attend that meeting, and it, they were not interested in him being chair again. So that leads us up to the this current election cycle of November of last year, where, where we were voted in, um, as members of the executive committee, which was um, wonderful. Um, we had a great head start. We had lots of constitutional conservatives with us when we started out. And um, one of our meetings, our early meetings that, that year, uh, was to, um, we were to have, to decide who was going to be the key positions, uh, ch- uh, chair, vice chair, um, secretary, and so on. And our... No, no, the one I'm referring to is the local one. And the establishment-type people decided to override David. David wanted an in-person commissioner, uh, not commissioner, but an uh, in-person GOP convention, and the establishment wanted a Zoom one. And in that Zoom meeting, they basically got all of their positions filled, and we did not have a quorum to vote on anything, unfortunately, and it was all taken over and mostly in an effort to try to remove David as chair. And that's really how we started off. Emails were flying around. Back then, our precinct delegates were probably confused. It really was an ugly time in politics for Ottawa County. Um, But fast forward to Maya being a part of the executive committee with all of her experience, uh, her ability to put together rallies, her experience with vaccine injury, uh, her career history with um, uh, uh, speech pathology, and... And with regard to her knowledge of masking children with regard to the speech pathology portion, uh, our, during the whole year of executive committee member uh, meetings, rarely was she consulted for anything, not, not to create events for the party, not to ask um, the commissioners in the, in the GOP meetings to ask her for her advice on the masking. Um, and I think that's where, one of the, where we get to with a story that she has um, I don't even know if you want to go into it, uh, but it's a very important 
to at least touch on it, of being locked out of one of the meetings last year. Well, right. So I joined the executive committee thinking, wow, this is really, I'm, I'm now into the GOP and we're, we're working together. We're working closely. I'm on the same, you know, committee as these lawmakers. And so I was really excited and thought, okay, I'm going to put a bunch of effort into this and I'm going to work to be a voice for the people in Ottawa and for the Republican Party, make sure that we get our uh, Republicans elected and make sure that Ottawa County stays red, all of those things. And then not only was it silence, but it was, they were blocking me. You know, you had mentioned, you know, I, so I don't know if a lot of people know my background outside. Yes, I'm a speech pathologist. I'm an autism specialist. Um, my husband's a dentist and we've done a lot of research. We, we work, I work with special needs. He works with oral health care. Both of us have signed affidavits in court cases regarding masking and what the health impacts are those, what the impacts on child development are, impacts on oral health for my husband. These were all important things. I have data and research. I tried to share that with the executive committee in Ottawa County, and I was told that I cannot communicate anything. Like, I, I couldn't, I asked the chair, please send out this, this information in, a, in an email, because I don't have access to all the committee's emails. You know, I send stuff to the chair, and I expect, as a member of the executive committee, to have at least a voice, a seat at the table, to even have open dialogue and communication. And I was told I didn't, I couldn't share anything. So I was never consulted. Not only that, I was not even asked or able to share anything. So it was really just this blanket, I'm not even a part of this committee. I, all I felt I was doing was attending a meeting that they had already predetermined what the outcome was gonna be, and I was just a seat. And you know, you had mentioned something that happened last year. Mm -hmm. When I decided to run as second chair for the second district GOP, um, I was running for that, and boy, everybody that I thought, you know, you think Republicans, we're all on the same team, right? We all want constitutional freedoms and liberties. We, we want to uphold the values of the Republican Party, which I think are wonderful. And when I jumped in and decided, yes, I, can, I will run for this position, suddenly I was enemy number one. And it was really eye-opening. When, you know, I would try to call up some, you know, of the um, precinct delegates in the county or in the district and somebody on the other side and in, in the establishment side had already demonized me when I called them. And they already had all these lies about me that I never even had an opportunity to defend. And it was a repeated pattern over and over again. I was making these calls. Um, so there was that kind of... Um, you know, demonization towards towards me and my efforts and just to be in, trying to be able to be a voice. It's a volunteer position. I never in my wildest dreams thought that I'd ever have to work so hard for a volunteer position just to try to have, you know, a, a spot within the GOP. But, um, and then on top of that, you know, I've I had to learn all the the rules, you know, there's there's the Roberts rules of order that was just so new and how, how those operate within within a committee, and then on top of that, you have your bylaws. You know, every organization has these bylaws. GOP has bylaws too. And so reading through those and making sure I was doing everything right. And then when it came to 
uh, Ottawa County has a slate committee and this particular group of people come together and decide who of the precinct delegates get chosen to go to the state convention. And there's a variety of things. Once they're at state convention, you know, they're, they're going to vote on who's going to be elected. Party, well, they vote on party leadership and also key positions like regions of schools um, and AG and things like that. Yes. So it's a big convention for the GOP. And so I was nominated and voted in to be one of, I think it's, I don't remember how many people. Like eight people, that. maybe. Eight, eight or nine people on that slate committee. And you go back and forth and you kind of debate in these meetings and, and you, you choose who you think is going to be best representing who they want to, to be in this um, in the convention. And so um, I was elected and nominated and elected within the bylaws of our county. And then suddenly they decided that that was not okay, that there was a conflict of interest and they didn't call me up. I basically got an email, not even a conversation, I got an email saying, you've been removed from the slate committee and we've placed in our person, mm -hmm. which, you know, I was flabbergasted. And I wasn't the only one. David Kroll was also one that was outed. And um, there was another person that they had talked to. They called up and said, we think this might be an, a conflict of interest. We'd like you to consider not running. And she stepped down. But right. what was the conflict of interest? That we, because, because we were running as candidates for the second district. So those that were running as candidates shouldn't be on the slate committee. Gotcha. Okay. However, it must be noted that every year prior, the GOP has never had an issue with somebody being on the slate committee that's running for an So office. it's not actually written in the laws. It's not in the And there was already a precedent set, and they, and they went right. against it. That's right. But... Um, and so I fought it. I said, if you are going to out me, you need to follow the bylaws and you need to hold another, an emergency meeting of the executive committee, make a nomination to remove me, vote against their vote that they already voted for, and then nominate somebody else and let us vote on who's my replacement. Those emails to the chair were completely ignored um, over and over again. It was just once again blocked out ignored and complete control and and not even abiding by bylaws and i had taken it all the way up to the the state chair to say can you handle this i mean why do you have bylaws if you're not going to abide by them right exactly and i would have had no problem if it went to the entire committee and the committee decided we are going to take back our vote, everyone that's that, and we're going to want to change our bylaws in the future to make sure that if you're a candidate, you can't be on the slate committee. All of those things I think are great conversations to have. It was the treatment of myself and my colleagues that that is really the concern. And so um, I actually had to hire an attorney because I wasn't getting any um, support, not from the state level, not from the other executive committee members to say, hey, you know, this is breaking bylaws. The chair must call another meeting to reverse the vote. And um, and so I had talked to multiple people uh, in the uh, Ottawa leadership and said, I am expecting, I, since I've been legally voted in, I am going to attend the slate meeting. 
I plan to. And I showed up with a my attorney's cease and desist order saying that this is illegal for you to block me out. I went on live Facebook and I said, look at the GOP. And you know, it's so interesting and it's really sad, the games that they play because the whole masking thing, they had gone on and on that we can't have in-person meetings because of the health and safety of this pandemic. They used the Democrat talking points to make sure that a lot of us were blocked out. It's how they were able to take over the GOP when David Kroll wanted to have an in-person convention. They said no for the, the health and safety. One particular person involved in this um, said their child has uh, an immune compromised system so he cannot physically attend. They need to be able to do this by Zoom. But that same particular individual just a couple months later was sitting in that room in the slate committee not only that in person without a mask on that's crazy i did see that video <laughs> that was a funny so video <laughs> before all of this was happening did you have any knowledge of i mean obviously not a lot of politic political knowledge but the any corruption in, at all like was this on the forefront of mind like this could never happen did you have any of that? I was ignorant. <laughs> and, well, we all are. <laughs> and I, yeah, I mean, we all learned some from something, right? Yeah. So, and that had been my first time on the executive committee as well. It was definitely an opportunity to get the inside scoop. And uh, it was, a you know, an opportunity to gain wisdom on a lot of things. You know, have you talked about precinct delegates and or the GOP, how the layers of the GOP on this program at all? Do people do your listeners? So we'll just hit tidbits here and there like what a precinct delegate actually does, who mm -hmm. they vote for. We've had hit on some of that. But yeah, there's not been a ton of the whole role of what a precinct delegate is, mm -hmm. how they're elected, how that. Mm -hmm. We haven't done a, done a ton of that. And that may be a program um, for another time. Sure. In deep to that. Yep. Uh, it would be a great uh, opportunity, not just for listeners in this county or state, but right. all of it. Because I have friends that I'm a precinct delegate, mm -hmm. and they're like, well, what's that? Mm -hmm. Like I got my friend that, you know, if I run against Roger Victory for state Senate, mm -hmm. which is most likely, um, he's going to be my treasurer. And he's like, I never heard of a precinct delegate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, thank, thank you, Joe. And he's 40, and he's 40 years old. Mm -hmm. I, we're, so, we're, we are in the same <laughs> ultimately really the question, right? You know, we've learned so much. I've learned on a personal level so much of, of what's going on in, the, in, in our county's GOP and how it seems like they are so close-knit Yes. to what whoever is um, pulling strings and if you don't toe the line yep. you're not part of the in crowd the cool club then you are just shadow banned and why isn't the gop advertising and and telling people this is what a precinct delegate is we, like sandy said there's all these open positions not like they don't have money and, and the truth is i think it's because they want to maintain power yes That's, that would be absolutely the general consensus so let me just give you the structure. There is something I'd like to go over. The structure of the, the GOPs, for your listeners to know, is you have county uh, county GOPs. And when you become a precinct delegate, you become a member of that GOP. You, as a video, uh, actually Maya posted this week, uh, they went over in great detail, that that doesn't obligate you to the, uh, the chores or committees that they would want you to volunteer for. It just, you have a right as a Republican to run for that position and if you get on it you do as much or as little work as you want 
Um, however, there are two local conventions per year, and that ultimately is where, as a constitutional conservative, you are going to want to be at. That's the whole reason you go, so you have a voice. So the executive committee is the overseeing body of the whole county GOP, and in that executive committee you will have, uh, however many electeds you have, you will have an equal amount of citizen appointments that are precinct delegates. So in Ottawa County currently, I think we have 20 um, elected officials, and we'll have 20 citizen appointments. When we first started out, we had a great number of constitutional conservatives that were with us in this election cycle. But one by one, for various reasons, they dropped out. And our voice um, was definitely silenced in that process. The more people we lost, the, the less um, power we had. So that's how a county GOP um, is set up. Then you have each congressional district has their own GOP uh, committee as well. And so they oversee the different counties. And above that is the state party who oversees the whole state and influences the congressional district GOPs and then the county GOPs. Well, part of the setup is the the bylaws are very important, as Maya has mentioned. And reviewing them when you're coming into this position, it's very important to know how the meetings are going to be run. Um, but the bylaws, it's so interesting to me. One of the reasons that um, I had resigned from the executive committee was that I had recently become aware of what we weren't actually doing as a party. We know that the platform is beautiful and promotes liberty and families and um, life, uh, religious freedom, and even some health freedom if you read the preamble to our platform. And it all rests on the Constitution. So we know it's a beautiful thing that many of us constitutional conservatives would easily get behind. However, when you look at the actual bylaws that run the party, there's nothing in the bylaws, no mechanism at all, that allows or promotes the party to vet candidates, to hold them accountable. There is some censuring, which is rarely done. Um, there's nothing in the bylaws that actually promote the beautiful platform. And I think about it this way, that we have... Republicans all over our state and county nation that will get a voter guide and it will indicate who the Republicans are after they've won their primary, they're on the general um, election ballot, and our Republicans will vote straight party ticket, not really knowing much about those candidates. And I think, you could tell me, either of you, if you think I'm wrong on this, but my guess is that they're assuming that the Republican Party has done something for them to get these candidates on that voter guide. And what's interesting is the Republican Party doesn't even know or seem to care if they're representing the Republican brand that well. So the brand is the platform, which rests right. on the Constitution. Yep. And they have no interest in qualifying the people who choose to run, fill out their affidavit as a candidate, as a Republican. They don't qualify that at all. But those people voting for the Republicans probably aren't aware of that. So it's almost as if we're misrepresenting the people on that voter guide, and it's certainly in the case of Ottawa County commissioners. Um, well, the, the biggest thing I see talking to area representatives, I've talked to Luke Meerman about this, is it seems like the Republican Party wants to just get a candidate that can win. Correct. Yeah. It's like, well, where have that, where's that gotten us over the last even just five years? If he's not principled, he can win. I mean, Peter Meyer is a perfect example. He's got all kinds of money, and he can win. 
but then he votes to impeach Trump without any information on what had happened? He's a perfect example of what's wrong with how our party operates. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And those uh, undiscerning voters didn't know any better. Those of us who could ask the right questions and we get to the key key responses to see what his character's like, we could figure that out. But, you know, the average Republican voter isn't there. So they trust the Republican Party. Right, because he's got a lot of money. Mm -hmm. He's going to, Dave says this repeatedly on our podcast, is the electorate is dumb enough where you have a candidate that has a ton of money and they're just going to spew all these ads out there. Well, he's got a bunch of ads, I guess. And if, if that's all you're seeing, he must be a good guy. He's a Republican and... That's how they place their vote. It's not, it's not doing the due diligence. That's right. And so, you know, I think that you've talked about it on your program before as well, is that, well, with Dave Ajima, in fact, you mentioned it earlier in this session, that our, our Republican legislators and elected officials, are, they're coached, it appears, to not talk about social and cultural issues that are actually taking over America right now. Um, right now, we are replacing uh, equality which is uh, equal opportunity with equity, which is equal outcome. And we're doing it through local government, uh, state government. Um, we're doing it through schools and such. But it's so interesting. that That's one of the most important principles of our Constitution. But our electeds either don't know how to talk to this issue or refuse to talk to the, any of these issues, whether it's sexualization of our children, indoctrination, you know, the uh, CRT, the DEI, um, the masking, uh, overreach. It's as if they've been told they can't, right? That there's this inner club that says what they can talk about and what they can't, what they can stand up for and what they can't. You know, I think of Ottawa County, we're, we're very conservative. I mean, as somebody that was leading much of the Stop the Steal in the state of Michigan, I was running those rallies. You know, I was on the executive committee of Ottawa County and I was running these Stop the Steal rallies, and I was bringing in people yes. that wanted to actually have a forensic audit, and yet nobody in the Ottawa County party wanted to talk to me about it. They wanted, didn't want to address it. It was crickets. And interestingly, Bill Heisinga, Congressman Bill Heisinga, who is part of the executive committee because he's an elected. Well, no, actually, he's technically, I don't know if he's not a voting person in there, but he was Ottawa County. Um, he had come out very early and has uh, always said that he doesn't believe that the election fraud was real, that there's not enough evidence that Trump won or um, Trump lost no matter what. Um, and it was almost as if that from that on, the executive committee could not say anything more about election fraud. That was it. <laughs> it was appalling. I'm like, I'm in this position. Why isn't the GOP getting behind and saying, we need to push for a forensic audit? You know, there's so many Republicans in Ottawa that wanted that, that were demanding that. That's the people that the GOP is supposed to be representing. Yet there's a small group of people in the Ottawa County GOP that basically shut everything down. I think part of it's cultural, though. Because we're conservative, Christian. I mean, there's a church almost on every corner in this county that I think there's a distance between being politically involved because growing up as a kid, you know, you never, although my grandpa was a pastor and he he would talk about certain issues and he would be as blunt and bold as the day is long and he'd call you, call you out right to your face. You know, scripture says this, right? 
so I think there's this distance between, oh, we want to unify and be proper, but being a conservative Christian, there are things that we draw the line in the sand. There are certain topics, right? So I think they're picking and choosing. But as a whole, if I'm going to believe abortion, for instance, I'm against abortion, right? And the scripture is clear. But that shouldn't be something that our Republican Party does not talk about, right? So I don't know if it's that Christian conservative mindset where they they don't want to pick topics where it's going to cause uh, division. I, or you think it's really, truly about the control on on the narrative? I think it's sometimes control on the narrative, especially when it comes to the election fraud topic. But it's also about funding. Who's going to send the money? And, and in some ways, it's a little bit like the church speaking truth right now. Yeah. Uh, or our Christian schools, which I'm facing right now, uh, letting social justice in. Uh, it's very difficult to proclaim truth exists, that we can find it in Scripture, and not be concerned about losing your members, your contributors, your followers, or whatever. And I think that's partly why um, our new legislators who get into this are coached potentially on mm-hmm. why not to address these issues and just stay with the fiscal responsibility and the easy issues because you're going to garner more positive attention. And if you and if you address those social and cultural issues, you're going to get negative attention. And, and their guidance is that that would be bad. But I think one thing that Trump showed us um, in the era that he was president is that it's imp- that we can't win winning being save America unless we address those issues right now. Right, absolutely. And so any elected official who is not talking about these things that are undermining the culture and the liberty that we have in America um, is essentially useless to where we're headed right now or where we need to head in order to save this country. Right, and Dave says that quite a bit where he's, the last two years, even in our state, you know, we got these edicts that came down from our tyrannical governor if these people that are already our representatives, whether state, congressional, whatever it is, if they're silent, do your research. Look them up. Have they been against Whitmer and these mass mandates and vaccines and all this stuff? Do not vote them back in. Like That's where the electorate is kind of dumb because they don't do that research. And how do you... So as a precinct delegate, how do you change that mindset where, well, we're listening to this. How does somebody want to get involved with something like that? Because now they see how the GOP really is. And it's on both sides of the aisle. We know how Democrats run their party. It's as evil as as it's ever been. So how do we, how do you change the mindset of, oh, I want, I want to actually get involved and become a precinct delegate? Uh, I would love to tell you about that. So thanks to alternative journalists in the last um, season, right, in the current season we live and during the Trump uh, uh, period, they have been talking about all politics is local all this time. People like Steve Bannon and many other people that your listeners listen to uh, talk about the idea of being a precinct delegate. And if all of those seats are unfilled and we were able to actually fill them, uh, we then have a stronger voice, just like uh, Maya and I would have on the executive committee, the more constitutional conservatives we have, on that committee, the stronger our vote would be. Um, so how do you do it? It's very easy. You can download a Michigan uh, 
precinct delegate affidavit right online at the Secretary of State. You can fill it out and take it to your clerk. Those affidavits are due uh, by, I think, May 3rd, so you'd want to get them in um, by the end of April. Um, they do need to be notarized, so you don't want to sign them uh, until you are in a situation where you can have a notary with you. There is a an effort, I think, nationwide to fill the seats with constitutional conservatives for the reasons I've already expressed. Sure. And I want to let you know, it is a gargantuan task, but I think it can be done because we have more engaged citizens than ever. And when it happens, whether it is, it is a long game plan, just like replacing school board members, um, because once you start gaining more power than the establishment, and you have that control, you can start changing things. You can change some bylaws. You can do things differently. In fact, we know in Michigan there's at least five GOP, county GOPs, that have been taken over by constitutional conservatives. In fact, we have one close to us in Muskegon mm -hmm. where they have done great things that are usually never heard of, things like writing a resolution to not endorse a candidate like Chief Craig before the primaries, mm -hmm. which we are seeing. They wrote a resolution to support a forensic audit. I mean, these things are just never done. They can start setting up, in fact, I think they are, um, potentially talking about things like branding for the party and, uh, and rating, rating individuals who are running or current candidates. The precinct delegates can influence those situations. But our county GOP, it's silence. It's business as usual. In fact, that was one of the phrases we had when we tried to take over second district was the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and mm -hmm. expecting different results. And that's essentially what we're doing as a party, but we can't afford that anymore, which is why we're here. We've reached a time in our country where the Democrats have been pushing and pushing. They've been very loud. They've been able to change our culture and change our behavior as conservative Christian, you know, Republicans as well. Because, you know, just as you had said, that we're kind of afraid. We don't want to, you know, um, make waves. We don't want to insult people. We want to, you know, just be loving and kind and, you know, continue on with, with our Christian lifestyles and not get involved in politics. However, the left has been pushing our society further and further. I mean, it's the point where there's certain ways we can't speak. There's certain things we can't talk about. We can't have, you know, um, uh, God in our school system. Uh, so mm -hmm. many things. They've been pushed, pushed, pushing, and we have not been pushing back. And now we've reached this crisis in our country. And <clears throat> if we don't all decide that we, we all need to step up, then I really fear for this country. And I think we're all there right now. We're seeing the parents in the school boards. Mm -hmm. We're seeing people standing up. We're seeing rallies like this country's probably never seen since the civil rights movement, right? We now are engaged and involved, but most people like myself, like Sandy, all of us at some point weren't involved in politics. We didn't know what we can do. Being a precinct delegate, is one step closer to taking over the party because ultimately we are a two-party system. It's the Democrats and the Republicans. We, we love, you know, there's the Patriot Party that's come out. It's, there's the um, Tea Party. All these other parties have tried to come in, but really, ultimately, 
we know that the, the most majority of these elections are going to be won by the Democrat and the Republicans. So what do we do when we have a swampy, in the terms of Trump era, a swampy GOP? And how can we expect to ever take back our country if we don't take back our GOP, right? right. And the only way to do that is through the grassroots becoming precinct delegates and taking it over and fixing it. Well, it's not just even precinct delegates. It's an elected position. Absolutely. Yeah, taking taking over people that have been silent if you're that if you want to be that involved and precinct delegation i mean it's not like you said it's not a huge undertaking right it's you got two two local conventions conventions and that's pretty much it in the entire two years um i mean there's things other things you can get involved in you know i went door to door for trump and you know down in it was kind of funny because in bill heisinger's district just interviewing people that have been there for and they're 70, 80 years old, and they've seen Bill as just a little kid running up and down the street. And case in point, you know, they were just like, he's got no, he's got no balls. He's got, he's just weak. And it's like they want to see, and Dave will say this too, Lansing and maybe even Congress is ripe for those individuals, that conservative patriot mindset. I think it's, that's ripe for that. And hopefully with things that are happening across the country, that people get more involved and it only takes one person and people will follow. If they speak the truth, people are in search of the truth and they will follow someone that is speaking the truth. We need strong representatives yes. in this country now more than ever. I know so many people have, have loved Bill Heisinga, but he has shown when our country's in crisis that he is not going to be a warrior for us. And I hope that, that there will be somebody, I mean, he, we have begged, you know, all, so many of us want Bill to be strong. You know, we need more Marjorie Greens in this country. We need yes. so many people that are strong and willing to stand up and end this. I mean, how long are we going to go through this psychosis in this country until we completely collapse our civilization and the free world? Yep. So it's time, yes, we need strong leadership, we need people to step up, become elected, um, and for the precinct delegates to make sure that the party supports those and brings the donors to those. You know, Sandy, you mentioned money. Really, it, it does seem to come down to money. It's not about ethics and um, our values and the platform. It's about who's pulling the strings, the purse strings. Right, and who ha who has the yeah who has the money? Who who are the big players in Michigan? And I think that when you get to this level of politics, you start to be able to identify who they are. And it was never more clear to me in 2018 when Colbeck was running for governor, mm -hmm. and how the GOP treated him, how hard we worked that summer, uh, knocking on doors. And uh, there were times uh, at, at one Unity uh, convention they mispronounced his name, uh, and I was told very clearly. You can't win without money. And I thought it was, it was a really, I was really disillusioned at that moment. Mm -hmm. That is our reality yes. uh, going forward, even. That's, That's the, sad. It is so sad because he is one of the most principled people we sure. know when you talk about principles. Yep. He actually would walk around with something he called a compass in his pocket, which were his values. Every bill that he would sign or vote for would have to meet a certain value system that he yep. created. And he would pull that out and look at it, check the boxes every time to, to know how he was going to vote. You know, that's when you know who your greater authority is. It's God, yes. not the people pulling the purse strings. And they did not like him for that.
That's a shame. Right. He won't toe the line. He does what's right no matter what. And he's a fighter. Boy, wouldn't our state be in a completely different place as it has been the last two years if Patrick Kolbeck was governor? <laughs> that Well, that brings me to my next question is, so you have the latest poll between James Craig and Governor Whitmer. I don't know if you've seen it. Breitbart News had it come out this week that they're tied in the poll. And so here you have a rhino candidate that our MIGOP establishment is pushing and you're going to force the Republican Party as citizens to vote for someone that's not a true conservative. That's what we're up against. Exactly, because the GOP has already made their decision, right? And and that's that goes across every single position. You yes. Know, I have um, insider information, I'm not going to give names, that a particular, a very, very strong fighter, conservative, Republican is running for a very high position to take over and, and to be able to fight against uh, what's going on. And our, uh, our GOP in our county has banned him from, from taking part in any of these um, events to be able to speak on that platform. I mean, I, I think that that is uh, even illegal. Well, it and would the be. GOP is... You're basically saying that you don't... You're not gonna. You're endorsing someone else versus actually coming out and saying it. So you're like, oh, we don't need you. We're gonna focus on these other candidates for that right. position. Right. It's so not, not even giving the Republicans an opportunity in our yes. county to hear what he has to say or she has to say. Like in that position, who's making that? Who's making that call? And then how do you get to that position? Well, the county chair is making those kind of decisions and who they're going to lift up their voices and these candidates and who they're going to completely ban. I, I, I don't believe that it's even legal for them to ban. However, um, it's happening. And again, here we're doing the bylaws don't matter. Right. So who do, how do you get to county chair? Is that so is, if I'm understanding that correctly, the executive committee votes for that position? So okay. they hold a convention, and that's kind of how they were able to take over the chair from David Kroll, is is they kind of did a they did a coup. Yeah, basically. for sure. They did a coup where they uh, David Kroll had called a meeting for an in person convention to, um, and they said, no, we're going to be doing a Zoom convention, and their cronies all decided they were going to vote in a new chair, and, and they basically took over. Yeah, the, the I remember all that. Um, but normally, you know, if you're not that swampy, <laughs> you can, you can um, get enough precinct delegates to vote in the person that they want to be the chair in the, the cabinet of the GOP in that county. Gotcha. All right. And that's why we need those precinct delegates, right? Yes. Very important. Thank you, ladies, for coming on here. I think we hit a lot of good topics. We can probably continue some of this. I think one thing that is missing is education. And that's huge. And if I were to run for state senator for Ottawa County, one thing that I would like to adopt is that the Constitution and the Bill of Rights are taught in our schools as part of their curriculum. It's just got to happen. And I think if we, if people knew what their rights were since we've been in school, I don't think our country would be where we're at because we would know that everything that's happened over the last two years could not happen, that we just allowed it to happen. So it's all knowledge. I agree 100%. And it, it does beg the question, though, do 
what percent of our electeds even understand the Constitution or the right. exceptional nation that we live in, the foundation of our government? Sure. Do they even know? If they understood the beauty of it all, could they do a better job of protecting it? Would they want to? And you wonder, do they really not see what's going on? And then you have to ask, why are they in politics in the first place, right? Mm -hmm. Are they in it for power, money, and the networking that they have? Right. Or are they truly in it because they love this country and they love right. God and they want to do what's right to protect this right. nation and the future generations? Because you talk about freedoms, right? If we lose the ability to worship God, we've lost everything. Well, and we know hate speech and free speech cannot coexist. Right. I just want to quickly add that both Sandy and Maya have resigned from their position in the executive committee. And so that speaks volumes on what they see going on. And So if you're looking to get information for becoming a precinct delegate, um, please go to the website, miprecinctfirst, first is spelled out, F-I-R-S-T dot com. And hopefully you can find some useful information there and direct you in the right path. And then obviously reaching out to either Sandy or Maya would be good as well. So thank you. We appreciate your time. You guys have a great day and thanks for coming on. Thank you for having us. You are listening to the Patriots Voice of Michigan. God bless.